Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Keenan Bonner. We are now into round four of season four and we're going to go through eight different films today in our usual fashion. We'll discuss the sequels, prequels or lack of, our own sequel ideas, what we love about the film and the nitpick from the film itself. The films we'll be covering today are Seven, The Departed, Goodfellas, Knives Out, The Town, Wolf of Wall Street, The Usual Suspects, and Pulp Fiction. Some juggernauts in there. We'll then reveal the results of the fourth round and look ahead to next week's finale. Keenan, how are we doing today? Yeah, all good, mate. All good. What about yourself? Not bad at all. Some good films on this list. Some easy ones to get uh, pepped up. To go through, rewatched a couple of them this week. The Departed, in particular, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, you're very, very excited. Uh, very excited about your Departed rewatch. I was. Um, You've seen it now. Not as many as you would think. I reckon maybe five or six. I think that's more noticing. I reckon no. In its entirety, I've probably sat and watched like an hour of it, maybe ten times. But I reckon I've only seen it in full, probably four times. So. I was very late to it. You were, yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember my brother telling me to watch it, and his recommendations can be a bit hit and miss. Um, but this one, obviously, fantastic recommendation, and uh, we'll speak about that nearer the end of this podcast. But we'll jump straight in, and we will kick things off with seven. Somewhere in the city. You want to come take a look at this? A madman is loose. Hammer sells a homicide. Inspired by the seven deadly sins. Gluttony, greed. I hate this city. You can expect five more. They know his motive. His murders are sermons to us. They know his game. I've gone and done it again. Seven deadly sins. Seven ways to die. Have you ever seen anything like this? No. Seven. Seven, then, Keenan. Looking back, a long time ago we did this one. Um, possibly the most friction we've had on an episode. Yeah, I maintain that you were just being a dick, but that's no, fine. No. I still think you were. And we were talking about Whiplash uh, just before recording. Um, the film. Not the, I felt I was, I was trying to get the best out of you, like J.K. Simmons. Um, I think my answer, to me, my answer was perfectly fine. You don't have to know why you don't like something to just say you don't like it. I realize it's not great for a podcast, but I'm also not going to make things up for the sake of it. We've just had, well, a, conver- preempted- we've had a conversation about that as well recently. <laughs> so. I've preempted what your nitpick may be, so we'll get there. But in it, terms it of- is that, by the way. Just for the eye, <laughs> in terms of so a prequel, sequel, whatever. In 2002, New Line Cinema announced plans to develop a sequel to Seven early prediction of what the title of it was going to be called eight you're spot on <laughs> with <laughs> with an eight instead of the g this time nice, so very nice, creative nice, nice. the studio is ready to go 
And then they took it to the people that were actually important. And it turns out none of them were actually very interested in doing this. I can't see. Well, Fincher doesn't like sequels. We know that. No. Pitt. And John, if Spacey's not coming back. Um, no, maybe he's right, dead. Exactly. Um, <laughs> what were they going to do? Pit in jail? So what they tried to do, and you can see how disastrous this would have been, New Line bought the rights to a script that they thought seemed similar to Seven, and they were going to kind of retool it into a sequel. Mm. Um, instead of just commissioning a true follow-up, which probably would have gone some way further to getting those people on board. Yep. Maybe for the script writer. The script. Well, you, you may have heard of the film because it does eventually get made. It was called Solace, written by Ted Griffin. It's a story concerning a detective with psychic powers trying to stop a serial killer who's also psychic. Jesus. Not sure how the hell that would have fit into Seven. No, I've never heard of it. But, Is there anyone big in so it? So the or? film... Yeah, it eventually gets made in 2015, starring Anthony Hopkins in the psychic detective role and Colin Farrell as the killer. Big hitter still. It was a critical and commercial failure. If in Hollywood, because there is obviously a vast world of foreign films that I am in no way, shape, or form acquainted with, to Hollywood films of the last decade, I haven't heard of it. There's I'm quite confident in saying it, it, it was a it was a commercial failure. Not saying it's not a good film, because there's a lot of stuff I've missed, but commercially I'd say I'd be aware. And to have not heard of a Anthony Hopkins Colin Farrell Very film. Very good point. That's probably yeah. that's probably closer to the mark of what I was trying to say. So they wanted Freeman was gonna I mean, you know, he's dealt with this killer now and he's a psychic next time around. Jesus. In Freeman was one of the few people that was willing to come back to revisit the character, but this was before they told him that he was going to be a psychic and all of this stuff. I would have, I would have liked, would I have liked? No, probably, probably liked is an overstatement. A prequel to hit with his character. I think I could have got behind. Yeah, because the last lines of seven are, Freeman's character saying, Ernest Hemingway once wrote, the world is a fine place and worth fighting for. I agree with the second Mm. part. Which kind of did leave the door open for his character not retiring, as we know as planned. But I just don't know what what you could do. You you certainly, if you were co-opting the script, it seems like they would have liked two and a half mend it, where... Charlie Sheen's gone, Ashton Kutcher comes in and they're like, oh, and by the way, that character that you've loved for so long, he was hit by a train and we just won't mention that again. Yeah, yeah. I feel, yeah, I don't think it needed one. A sequel, like I say, just incredible. it was always going to be hard to pull off because I think you need both of them. And um, what are you going to do in visiting Pitt in jail? Right, you're right. Yeah, yeah. It's not. Well, Maybe he breaks out until something happens and he breaks out. But we've seen, I think we've seen that we've seen that before yeah if I told you as well that it was Morgan Freeman and he was psychic you'd probably envisage as a paying customer going in that the psychic part was to get Kevin Spacey involved again yeah yeah yeah. and so it would have just been horrible on all accounts I agree before we get to any nitpicks in terms of what I we 
love about the film. For me, the ending is... I was going to say the ending is the juice and then we did Heat last mm. week. I like that you're kept uneasy for the whole film and then everything just builds and builds and builds and you kind of know something is going to happen. You don't perhaps envisage that Brad Pitt's wife's head is going to be in a box. Mm. That Pitt-Freeman duo... Very good. It's good to have like an interesting cop duo where you're not doing any of the comedy stuff as well to build anything between the characters. Like you've just got two, just like I said, juggernauts last week with De Niro and Pacino and perhaps not on the same level here, but Freeman and Pitt, two huge guys and just put them together and just see what they can do. And obviously works very well. The chemistry feels natural. Do you think, right, for other things that have happened, do you think Brad Pitt is sometimes forgotten? I know everyone knows who he is, but people know who he is, but you never hear, never hear him spoken about in the same way that you maybe would others of that generation. No, because I was going to say that uh, it's not like he's controversial, but he's actually had quite a big scandal's the wrong word, but he's had some very strong accusations against him in the last year or so, which actually would tie into your point in that it wasn't bigger news. I just, I didn't know he, I didn't even know he had. So uh, allegedly... Angelina Jolie claims that he put hands on okay. it. And so <clears throat> huge actress reporting that mm-hmm. huge actor, yeah, yeah. the fact that isn't massive. We kind that of, was Clooney. It, like, so I'm of, not saying it is like touch wood, but that was Clooney. I think mean, that was the same generation. If that was Clooney, for example, I think I'd be everywhere. Well, I think with, with Pitt, he kind of is how movie stars should be. I was listening to, a podcast recently with uh, John Berntal and he was being asked about things that he does outside of acting and starting up because of his podcast. And he said he was really put off by the idea of doing his own podcast because he feels the more you see him outside of acting, the less you'll believe him as a soldier or a doctor or a boxing trainer, or whatever he has to be. And Pitt seems to be in that, mold where despite the size he is i only really see his name on film posters these days and so i see him doing the promo runs for films uh, i think that's more true these days i think there was a I think there was a big time yeah that's what i mean your, for now mid twos to i mean you sort of early early twos mid twos up to about 2010 2011 you saw him for just about everything but i don't know he did some big films in yeah. there but aniston and etc etc but I don't know, I do think, I don't want to say the forgotten man, because uh, he's obviously not, but no, he doesn't doesn't get spoken about in the same way that other people do. And I do think, for the record, I think he's a phenomenal actor. I think, I think his name still carries huge weight on a film uh, poster. I, I think it's still, I think a Brad Pitt film is still an event. But One I of think... the last, he's one of the last remaining movie stars. Yeah, and I think since probably the last five years or so, his name is always just mentioned so closely in connection with Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm. And then 
the more interesting person to speak about in that conversation is Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. And I think that's just how it's gone. And so maybe that's it. Um, I still think he's huge by comparison, where in comparison to, say, the biggest new guy around this time. I know he's not new, but in terms of newest names, Miles Teller is probably one of them. And then in comparison, if you mention Miles Teller's name and Brad Pitt's name, it's still different stratospheres. But I do also completely understand what you mean in terms of he doesn't feel like his name is as big as it should be at this stage. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, and I'm sure there's people who agree with me or disagree with me, um, but... And then it must have shrunk, surely, to, to be in the position for what you're saying, because it was there at a time. I think it was certainly there at a time. Yeah. I do, I do. That's why I sort of said the forgotten, almost the forgotten man, but I do think for a time, yeah, it was definitely there. And just a small thing in particular that I do love about the film is there's one particular long shot as they head out into the desert before the conclusion mm. where you've got the turbines on either side and you've just got this long, just barren road leading to what is ultimately going to be the demise of two of these people. Yeah, It's just really nice in setting things up because to create that feeling in pure sunlight mm. is a really interesting thing for Fincher to do. I think we all say what we would do if if we were the guys that were making this film and we point to the fact that we would do probably the, the 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 typical thing that you would just expect to see on screen. And I think if we saw that scene on a piece of paper, we would probably set it up and it's early evening, it's probably raining, and then this awful thing happens. Not the sun's beaming down and you're out in the middle of the desert. Yes, yeah, yeah. You see that nine times out of ten shot in the rain. Particularly when the entire, I guess, the entire rest of the film is hammering down with rain. Yeah, exactly. And so this is like they've emerged into the sunlight, only for it to be what Pitt thinks that he's got him where he wants him, doesn't he? And then the tables are turned very quickly. Yeah. No, no, that's correct. Anything that that you would add that you particularly, if, if you think about this film and maybe you had to recommend it to someone or you just had to think about something to put down that you love, you like about this film, what would you say? What do I like about this film? I'm not, I'm not even going to bother with it this time. Mate. We've done it too many times before, but Kevin Spacey. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's fucking superb. I think he's the best thing about this film. I really like the way it's shot. Um... <clears throat> I've revisited this one a few times, actually. I haven't rewatched it, but I've revisited my take on this a couple of times in my head. I still still agree with my take on the, the pit the pit part. Um, I know you don't, but I still the, the, the ending. I still, I still, my take on that is still the same. But, <coughs> excuse me. And the more I think about it, the more positives I find in this film than I, maybe I did when we did it the first time around. Well, say that when I've been tallying up the score totals each week, I've been more surprised each time. But this keeps me The things that you've ticked for seven. Mm. Because there's films that I would put down if I was uh, concocting a piece for spitballandpod.com on f- films keen and recommends. Mm. There's films that I would put on that list that have received less 
in uh, your cards than this has. That's slightly different though, isn't it? Because that's dependent on that's dictated by the matchup. Yeah, for sure. But I'm just saying I, I didn't expect there to be anything in terms of preference that almost didn't have to be there. No, so no, I get you. If this was against Goodfellas, the villain is quite clear in that sense yeah. of the villain and that. So the the debatable ones is where I've been surprised. Like I said, I, genuinely, I, I, I don't think that, maybe I was harsh. Maybe I was, very, maybe I was quick, quick to it when we did it the first time. But I have rewatched it. I haven't rewatched it, but I've revisited this one a couple of times. Uh, typically, we actually, but just a couple of times, it's bang on because it's when when you've sent me the scorecard to me to have a look at. I do do always think about the films. I don't do it. I don't do it. Have a do them out of hand. And I do do think there's probably there's a lot more positives in this. I realise this is like so I'm I'm the authority. This is a like a historically renowned film. Obviously, there's a lot of good things about it, but. I, I probably was maybe a little bit dismissive because there are some really good, like the way it's shot's great. Freeman, fantastic. Spacey knocks it out of the park. Hit really good until like the last seven minutes. Um, well, I actually think even not to go over no. it entirely again, but with the ending, the way the conversation was had last time was effectively, you said you didn't like it. And in shock, jumped, okay, how can you not like mm. that? And the conversation was just shut down from that point because it just became a, 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 two people with a stance mm. and we just weren't going to move past that. Whereas I've spoken about the ending with other people since because I thought it was an interesting take at the time in terms of what it could be and whether it was you wouldn't be shouting and screaming in that moment and you would be silent and that was it, or you could be doing this or you could be doing that. And so the, the, the stats was never, how dare you not like that. It I was, certainly your argument was presented one of but that's, it was like, what don't you like in just don't, I just don't, I can't, as I watch it, I just don't like it. And I know that's not the answer you want. And we're not, we're, we're no, not, yeah. we're not rehashing this. We're not doing this again. We did. No, but we did agree at the time that <coughs> it me. probably would have been conducive to the film. Uh, if they did show the head in the box, because that's one of the all time debates mm. about how gruesome Fincher usually is. Yeah. No. It was an interesting choice to not do so in this uh, scenario. Mm. No, fair. Cause we know they had it made up. And then I think it's Morgan Freeman basically says, this isn't, this isn't going to work. Yeah. There is no way you can keep this an entirely serious, an entirely pent up scene because you're just going to lose everything from head in the box. Yeah. But you you can't continue a narrative after that point. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. That would have been that would be the big takeaway. Um. Any other nitpicks that you would uh, chuck in? Um. No, not particularly. My only thing, well, I think some scenes could be lit a bit better. <laughs> that's a that's an issue I have with films today. Is yes, I understand making some films dark, but also make make it so that we can see everything that's going on. Um, there was a there was a spell of video games like that in the early two thousands where Max Payne we're going to make a horror game, but we're just going to make everything pitch black, mm. and it's what am I supposed to do with Remember this? The first Max Payne being very dark as well. Well, there was whole video games. When there was the there was the series that I think was called like Alone in the Dark or In the Dark or something like that. Would you believe? Never played that. 
I hate horror films. Oh, but I, they're not for me. I told you that I can't get through The Last nah, of Us. Um, but I'm aware of the games existing. Anyway, let's move on to The Departed. You got a cop in my crew. No Wyatt ever, you understand? You don't know what this is like. I can get the rat. You just let me do it my way. There was a leak from the inside. Man, smoke him out. For honestly, you wanted to chop me up and feed me the poor? The Departed, a Martin Scorsese picture. We've mentioned it already, The Departed, and I do have news for you in regards to a sequel here, but not good news if you were hoping for a sequel. So many of the key characters in the film are dead by the end of this one. Uh, There was a script written for a sequel, which was ultimately shelved, uh, due to the expense of it, Scorsese's lack of interest really in creating a sequel and all of the other kind of mitigating factors there. In 2011, Bill Monaghan, who was the screenwriter on the first film, spoke about his concept for a departed sequel. He said, My idea actually is to set the film before, during and after the action of the first film, which I think would be extraordinary. Essentially, in the middle section of the thing I've intended, you'd see actions that take place during the original Departed, but are on screen in the original Departed. There would be off-screen things that occur at that point in the story, but it would work seamlessly as a movie of its own. At the time, he also noted that he doesn't do synopses and he refuses to pitch, which are two things that surprisingly Warner Brothers apparently likes to, likes to see before they'll green light ideas. Um, Wahlberg suggested it wasn't quite a full script he said things were a bit all over the place and it was kind of a bit of a disaster in terms of uh, getting a sequel together which was a shame for him because he was the one pushing it, he was the one spearheading it I think he liked the character of Dignam he wanted to push it forward If but... this was released 10 years later I think they green like that sequel they probably greenlight the sequel before it's even released. We know the world's gone sequel and franchise mad. If, yeah, actually, I was going to say, but to, my, to my mind, in a lot of cases, I think that gets greenlit. If the, but, the let's take the inflation in. No, I don't know the maths, but it makes as much money in two thousand. It makes in two thousand and sixteen's money. The would sort of what it made in two thousand and six. Sorry, is transported into two thousand and sixteen's money. That gets a sequel. I also think it would be to the detriment of the film, though, because I think with the studio involved, they would probably look at one of Damon, Leo. Oh, and try and bring someone back. Nicholson. They would probably say, don't kill all of these characters. Yeah, uh, I think it's... um, Who do I think survives in that instance? I think it's probably Damon. Damon. It's got to be Damon. It's probably Damon, and then it's working his way up, and Damon's trying to bring him down from the outside. That's yeah. the film. Um, because if if we have the film we have, and um, me and you, we go on the eBay of Hollywood and we pick up the rights to The Departed yeah. for God, whatever we pay for it. Yeah. And then we're trying to say, what can we do with the sequel? You probably look at Dignam maybe rebuilding 
the undercover team. Mm. Um, maybe you, you do a, a Costello prequel. I my issue with the Costello prequel is it's I think it's so easy to just turn that into any other any other mob film. For sure, for sure. Whereas at least with Dingham, you, Dingham, you can do a bit. You can do another mixture of both. You can do cops and robbers. So again, it's something that's been done a thousand times before. But it, you, I think there's more angles you take. You can take take it to, or more avenues you can use. Yeah, or maybe you do it because we're told essentially that there's a history between Costello and Queenan, and maybe it's the kind of come up, maybe they've crossed paths earlier and Queenan's thought he had him put away but not quite managed it. Maybe you do something with the creation of the Dignam Queenan team. I don't know. It's very difficult and I think the beauty of this film is how hard-hitting it is. Like, when I go through what I love about this film, honest, it's like... I will say I always wanted the sequel. Which is, it, I think we which spoke- is funny, because I know I complain that everything's got a fucking sequel now, but it, I wanted a sequel because I like the film, which is essentially well, Wal- the problem I now have. Wahlberg is just perfect in this we spoke about the fact that he was nominated for an oscar i think with the shortest screen time in history for someone in that position any scene with him and his his wisecracks are just brilliant i love how much him and nicholson in particular seem to just be having the time of their lives with this character it's like if they could choose who they wanted to play that would this would be the product of of who they're playing I love how much I despise Matt Damon in this in terms of like my top five most hated movie characters of all time. He's a he's probably top three. Oh. I'd need to go, because I'm sure there's some people I'm missing. Mm. Yeah, I love how frantic Leo gets and how desperate he is. Um, I love how Nicholson kind of pushes it to the brink of becoming almost a comic book villain, yeah. but just really toes that line. Yeah, he's a step away from becoming the, the, the Joker again. Yeah. Uh, Wahlberg, when he sticks it on Baldwin, when he sticks it on Damon. There's so many moments in this where for you as a viewer, you get that little moment of like fist pumping or like whatever, whatever you want to call it. The moment that Wahlberg decks Damon in the office after Queen has been killed, it's like, okay, I've been wanting to see someone do that for a long time. The moment, the moment I spent so long on the first time we did this, where Leo is on the phone and he says, you rat fuck. And it's like, this is the best thing I've ever heard anyone say in a film and Damon's reaction to it and the conviction with it. Yeah. Baldwin's probably in the, the same bracket with, um, Nicholson and Wahlberg in that he seems to also be playing just the character that he's supposed to be playing all, always because him and Damon as a duo are as unlikable as it gets yeah but he's different the, reasons isn't it Baldwin, Baldwin, yeah, Baldwin's moment, heart's in the right place yeah well he, he says to Damon uh, you know I'm looking through and I, I need to uncover this rat you're the guy with a clean record so you're the guy I'm going to put on this and you're like oh for god's sake yeah as he's picking things apart. 
the soundtrack obviously I've had I'm shipping up to Boston in my head since Monday any chance to put give me shelter in a film on my front of yeah. and just that elevator scene never gets any less depressing um in fact each time you watch it i think in terms of the scale it just shifts slightly more from the shock factor and ticks over into the depressing kind of section of the scale because the second time you watch it it's still just as shocking like you're almost trying to kid yourself that this might not happen the second time around. The moment you got Damon right where he wants him and he says, just kill me, just kill mm. me. Doors open, bang, headshot. We spoke about the lack of blood in the conclusion of Heat last week. They give you more than you need in this one with this headshot. Leo's head is everywhere. It's it's as depressing a moment as I can remember in any film. Hmm. It's never depressing. It's more because I don't think Leo's character is particularly one you get attached to, but it's just Damon's character is this despicable. That is, I can't believe this guy is going to get away with this. And then two seconds later, he says, I just want you, I just want you to know that I'll be recommending him for the badge of honor. And it's like, don't, be nice to him now and everything about his character is so good Nicholson with his I smell a rat and he's gnawing away everything is is just perfect yes yeah I, I don't have a nitpick um do I have a nitpick probably just how easy it is how easy Damon finds it to remove Leo from a whole system He's like, yeah, you yeah. don't exist anymore. <laughs> right, okay, cool. The guy who's already been removed from that system once, they're like, yeah, you should go again. Right, okay. <laughs> like, in that scene, um, Leo is just like so shocked. He's he's referencing the fact that he knows he can do that because he says, I just want my identity back. And he says it, and then Damon's like, I erased you. And his whole world is like, what? <laughs> what? I can't believe this. That's a that's a great show. Yeah, that's 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 my only one. And even then, it's it is actually just insignificant to the plot. Like in the grand scheme of things, but when it happens at that point, all the wheels are in motion. He's even he's still going to nick him, and the shots that get fired are still going to get fired. I'd have loved with this kind of uh, an old school comedy style blooper reel in the credits with just all the things that Wahlberg must have reeled off in those interview scenes. Yeah, yeah, I get that. When he's doing the, yeah, I bet you change your accent. I bet you do, don't you? I bet you do that. Because he's just like firing from the hip. Yeah, it's very good. So, yeah, that would be it. The, The Departed, I think it's one of them that you can really tune in at any point and there's enough set pieces as we always reference every so often oh, i completely agree that's why i said like, i've watched an hour of this 10 times only ever seen the film in full like four times because you just put it on and once it's on you're sort of hooked in right, and that's like and any given moment i don't think there's anyone that you can even really point to and say that they aren't like batting on a hundred, oh, yeah. there's yeah. no one you can point to and say, "I think you're letting the side no. down a little bit." Maybe no, no, no. Everyone that's in, Actually, everyone that's in it for multiple scenes, 
Winston's accent once you get past that, maybe. But yeah, uh, yes, that's fine. That's fair enough. But even the rest of it, he's still committed to every scene. He's still very good in the scenes he's in. It just happens to be that his American accent is fucking horrific. The only thing I question this time around is uh, the moment when he shot um, Bill as he'd come out of the elevator. And then the other guy shows up, uh, Barrigan, mm. and he says, what, you thought you were the only guy who had on the inside? Yeah. I couldn't... I was debating in my head whether that detracted from the kind of stakes that we've been invested in the whole time. Uh, I don't think so. Or if it if it just elevated it like, I don't, I don't okay, think so. it, essentially, if he didn't get away with this, then he was going yeah, to. So, yeah. I mean, if you're the network that you're or the level of power that you're allowed to believe your man's got, the sensible thing is he's got more than one, he's probably got more than one person working for him. As we know that Costello's character is Whitey Bulger, mm. do you think you could have done Black Mass with Jack Nicholson? Yes. Would it have been better or worse? If you consider the tone of that film. Uh, worse. And could you have done The Departed no. with Johnny Depp coming in? No. So it would have been like the Mikatari and Alexis Sanchez trade. Yeah. <laughs> like there's no winners here. No, I, do, do, I don't think Depp can do this. I also think the main reason being in 2006 specifically, I think he's too young. And, and they've kind of... Uh, <clears throat> I've always... Think about us explaining it because we've got our own kind of vernacular having done this for so long. But they kind of John Wick Costello, don't they, with the build-up of him before you see him. And maybe there would have been a letdown if you get to finally see Costello and kind of interact with him more because we've heard his voice. Mm. And it's Depp because the way he played Whitey Bulger, there wasn't the charisma there. No. Or it was a different kind of charisma. Um, we need we needed Costello to be larger than life when we got there, because otherwise he's going to shrink underneath Ray Winston and all of these other guys you've got there. Because that crew is great as well. Yeah, it is. I even quite like Kevin Corrigan as uh, the cousin. his cousin, but was good. David O'Hara as Fitzy and Mark Ralston as Della Hunt and yes, all of these guys very good character actors. Yeah. Um, they are very good characters. Kevin Corrigan, I really like. Um, I like him. He's very good. In, he's very good in Pineapple Express. Um, that's that's yeah, what I associate yeah. him with the most, which I'm sure is probably doing him a disservice. Some of that is why. That's what I, that's what I do think of him. I'll tell you an actor I was thinking about recently, and I was thinking about actors that if we brought back the, you know, if we put this one or this one in the mm. film, who'd you be better with? Kyle Chandler is a guy, and you may not recognize him by me. Yes. Coach. Yeah, and I see him just pop up, and I saw him pop up in something recently. Um, and I thought, I wouldn't mind seeing you in a couple more films. Because the only thing I've really seen him, and I'm sure he's done it, that he's I've seen him, though, is right? like, he is, yeah. Yeah, I've never mind. Because he's, he's in the kind of Godzilla remakes that they've done, and kind of feel he deserves maybe a bit better than that because he's very good in game night as we've uh, as we've done before yeah he is very good need to rewatch that soon actually uh yeah i 
I do. Uh, yes, I do as well, actually. I, do, I wouldn't mind that. All right, let's move on, and I'll get this right this week. On to your favourite film, Goodfellas. Yeah. Never ride on your friends, and always keep your mouth shut. Robert De Niro, Ray Liotta, Joe Pesci, Goodfellas. The true story of three decades of life in the mafia. Rated R. Starts Friday, September 21st. Goodfellas again, this time around, no sequel. No sequel was even discussed, owing to the fact that almost everyone's dead and the one that isn't is in witness protection. Is there anything that you consider that you could do here? Uh, I would... I would. Or is it not better no, thinking I about it? I wouldn't happily, but I would have. I would would have sat and watched Leo Leo would do Goodfellow number two. It must be about Henry Hill and how he gets kicked out of the drug dealer that gets him kicked out of witness protection. Um, <laughs> I would have. I would happily watch the Jimmy Conway the Jimmy Conway uh, solo, solo film. Um, just have De Niro come back. Uh, yeah. Is there anyone else I'd really? I mean, yeah. I mean, I I would do that. I I take. I'm not sure. Bless him. I, I'm not sure. Pesci carries a film necessarily in the same way that those other two guys do or can. Um. Yeah. I, I mean, I I. Give me give me Sor, Sorvino. Like I I take the early years. I just take more of Sorvino, De Niro, Pesci. There's so much more. I don't know, like you could, you couldn't do it, but like there's so much more. It's like with any film like this where it's based on someone's life. There's so much more you could do. Um, yeah, I, I really would. If I if I gave you the budget personally, mm. do you think you could direct a chick flick with the uh, girls from the salon and they're gossiping at all the mob life going on around them? No, I think there's a film. I, in there. Don't disagree. I'm just telling you, I'm not the one to direct it. I, I'm <laughs> missing. I'm probably missing that target audience by a good country mile. If you're doing the thing, I think uh, Tarantino, where he'll give out a couple of films to say, you know, watch these. This is what I'm going to ask you to kind of mm. work around. You're doling out like Bad Mums Christmas, Bad Mums. This is what I want you to work around. God, fucking Bad Mums Christmas. I spend all the budget on Mila Kunis for you, and it's like just whatever you did yeah. there, just recreate that here. Yeah. Do you want to lead from the top in what you love about this film? Uh, yeah, I, t- I will. I try and keep it refined. The actual answer is, and I know you don't like it, but I love everything about this film. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean that. I actually mean that sincerely. I love the music, I love the way it's shot, I love the way the characters dress, I love the dialogue, I love the pacing of the film. I like the arc of the story that Henry goes from an, to some everyday kid to essentially being a horrific person and you get to see a transition of how he gets there. I love the supporting cast. I think Lorraine Brayhill is phenomenal. The three guys I've just mentioned are all fantastic in every scene that they're in. Billy Bats, I think, is just a phenomenal side character. The scene in the scene in that restaurant and the scene after where they go to his mum. I even think Martin Scorsese's mum gives a great turn in this film. 
one dog goes one way, one goes the other way, and this guy's saying, what do you want from me? It it is my favourite film, you're correct. Um, It really is. It's something that I watch when... It's something I watch at Christmas. I know it's weird, but I do watch it every Christmas. Uh, It's something I watch when I'm... if If I was sat home ill and I was sick, I would put Goodfellas on. It's something that cheers me up, which is, again wildly strange says probably says a lot about my psyche considering the, the, the subject matter but it's something I've loved from the first time I saw it and I still love it now and I've seen it at six years old yeah in and around that age right? yeah. <laughs> I'm actually glad I'm actually glad in the very room that I watched it for the first time which is unusual because I've changed locations for the podcast um, I adore it I think the book's fantastic I think it's incredibly well written I think Nicholas Pelagius that's just a fantastically talented writer Scorsese you and I you've asked me many a time before and I go back and forth on it who's my favourite director it's Scorsese or Tarantino it's one of those two there's no no one else enters the conversation really for me um, I, I last watched this on the night that Ray Liotta died rest in peace and it just felt like the right thing to do. And then I went to rewatch it recently, and as I said, it's, it was taken down mm. off like somehow Goodfellas wasn't streaming. And it's like, how is how is this a thing? It's just remarkably good. I've got two questions for you because I anticipated a similar answer to Heat, and I thought we may be uh, short of short of no, answer. Was that, was that an okay answer? That is, yeah, yeah. What do you think is the most underappreciated song on the Goodfellas soundtrack? Rags to Riches by Tony Bennett. I feel that's quite quite well appreciated. I don't think it's appreciated enough. Uh, What else? Um, Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow by the Shirelles. Uh, It's actually just a fantastic song. Uh, Bobby Finton, um, as he sings to her. I sang that on our last Goodfellas mm-hmm. podcast. Uh, probably the Shirelles. Maybe, uh, maybe Lola, actually. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe Lola, actually. Because people, I, yeah, I associate... The piano yes. exit. Uh, yeah. yeah, maybe Lola, that's my answer. Layla. Layla sorry, you're correct. Lola's... I, 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 another question for you. I feel I know the answer. I originally had it crossed off on my I can tell you the worst song on the soundtrack. Um, Sid Vicious's cover of My Way. I wish I I hadn't got you to answer there then because I was going to ask you if you had the rights and everything, would you swap it out for the Sinatra My Way for the In a fucking heartbeat, in a second. I think that is... Because I I think we did the podcast the first time around. Um, Maybe you were caught in the like everything is perfect because I I asked about the song and you said you liked it. You're 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 completely correct. I did say that. And if you offered me to swap it, yes I would. I do do I hate it? I go back I do go back and forth it. So I change my line, my mind on a lot of things a lot of the time. Um I'm very flaky. Maybe it's kind of the the media student kind of having to overanalyze things. When I was thinking about this earlier, my only thought was that maybe this the position that Henry is in is everything that he completely stands against and everything that he shouldn't be, and so maybe the song fits perfectly in that in that kind of scenario. If I was to watch it again, 
or when I watch it again, I think I'll have positive things to say about it. But then the further removed I am from watching it, the more I dislike it. But the answer to your question is yes, I'd swap it for Sinatra's version in an instant. Um, ah, the other question mm. I did have was, I was looking down, and I was going to ask this later, I was looking down Scorsese's filmography. Mm-hmm. And would you say that stylistically, Wolf of Wall Street is the closest comparison to this? Yes. Uh Yes. Largely in the way it deals with excess was my. I get uh, that. Uh, Casino also does the same thing, but it's a different different angle. Um, Yes, I do think so. It's solely focused more so on the one, on on one guy and his band of merry men, if you will. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you think you're possibly right. I was trying to think, trying to go back and think of old Scorsese films. Um, but yeah, I think you might be right. Essentially, in the way that the excess in, say, Casino, for example, doesn't f- ever feel like it's really glamorized. There's always the uneasiness of Pesci being right there in the background, yes. um, right kind of over his shoulder. And the Goodfellas, essentially, um, I think you've spoken before about the way you could almost split the film mm. in half. and this does it in a way that basically says, look, enjoy us going up the hill here. No. Because it's not going to be nice when we when we start going yeah, back down. Yeah, very much what and, comes up must come down. Yeah, and uh, Wolf of Wall Street does it in a very yes, similar yeah, way. you're right. But I also don't have any uh, nitpicks. Um, do I really have any nitpicks? Um, do I have any nitpicks? I think they'd have made a killing if they could have released the full soundtrack when they released the soundtrack at the time because like all the best songs are almost missed off the official soundtrack. Mm, um, I'm trying to think, do I, do I really have a nitpick? Because I know it's not the... thing is, I would say... I know it's not the perfect film because there's, there's such a thing that doesn't exist, but to, to me, it's this is like my perfect film. I It's very hard, and as you probably worked out in our four seasons of doing doing podcasts and then our decade we've known each other don't, I'm not passionate about a lot of things uh, unless unless that passion is channeled into hatred or abject dislike but I sure mm, the dead abject dislike but I do adore this film I, I do it in the story they don't take they take some liberties but they don't take loads a lot of stuff that happens Doc, no. it's documented that it happened um, maybe my nitpicks would mainly be sort of choices that people actually made i get it which yeah. then or would take away from yeah, the film I, I mean like actually like choices that people actually made it's fucking stupidest thing this idiot ever did was start dealing drugs but it was for the money knew it was going to end up going bad for him was told a thousand times that it was going to go bad for him um and it also bombed him out of the witness protection program and then he was just he became a bit of a bit of a celebrity and then um that maybe, maybe I'd like they a, do. I'd like a, Sorry. I'd like a straight answer from Scorsese or De Niro into the uh, intentions of Jimmy in the scene when he's directing mm. Karen up the alley. Yeah, but then it's also quite fun to just interpret what he's doing in that situation. Fun. So that works both ways. There's no good intentions there, either, let's be honest. No, no, <laughs> no. Um, 
And there we go. Let's move on to Knives Out. Dad built himself into the best-selling mystery writer of all time. He didn't commit suicide. Everyone has possible motives. You had to find a game to play with, Dad. We had our own secrets. This all feels like something he'd write. I keep waiting for the big reveal. Knives Out. Rated PG-13. Knives Out, first film tonight that actually does have a sequel, came out just in time for Christmas, last Christmas. We've both seen it. Mm -hmm. Did you think it was better than the original? No. No, nor did I. I did did Um, really enjoy it. Yeah, and I I quite like the structure moving forward. I think we spoke about it at the time, and it wasn't quite done so much here. I think we noted it with like uh, when we saw Ed Norton in the cast mm. that we liked the idea of it being kind of middling actors that are kind of looking for that uh, like uh, second wind mm. and to kind of bring people back doing that. I like the randomness of the cast. The the randomness of both casts yeah. is great. Yeah, um, you're right. And that's a real thing. I would say I understand the point of this sequel was to kind of do the the hiding in plain sight thing, yeah. like we're supposed to realise early on. I would like the next one to go back to being a mystery. Uh, yes, I would as well. I think I texted you at the time as I watched it. It took something away from from it when it was very obvious what that he, he had, that he had done what he'd done. I don't know if we want to spoil it or not, but um, I'll, I'll put a spoiler warning in there. Uh, okay. Well, we, the bit where he gives a the, gives Batista the glass, there's no subtlety. Yeah. And I know I realise that's the whole point, but I do think um, I do do think there's something missing there. Yeah. Um. So we know that there is going to be another sequel. It's not announced kind of when and where that will be because I know. Rian Johnson is also still signed on to do another Star Wars film. Okay. And as much as I am sure he owns more of Knives Out, I have to think you're also being quite handsomely paid to do a Star Wars film. Yeah, so and... it's probably not like an easy choice. Yeah, Lucas and, and Fox, I imagine so... there's more of a time well, frame Lucas on that. Lucas and Disney are probably not people you really want to piss off. No, and they're quite desperate at the moment so they're contemplating selling the star wars rights i was being told um mm. quite recently because they're just that strap for cash that it's kind of like uh i guess liverpool didn't want to sell Mane, but at some point you have to <laughs> and maybe disney are like you know this is, we it don't is want, it's not a sale we want to make I, wonder if buy it. I don't think any other studio really has it in them i'm, I'm sure they'll uh maybe saudi come out like <laughs> Jesus, I assume. I mean, I assume if you're gonna do it, if you buy it, you'd buy, you'd buy a hundred percent of the rights. You'd do a bit like Football Manager. There'd be some add-ons in there. We pay you X up front, and then on the release of film one, you get what you get thirty percent. Then on the release of film two, you get fifteen, and so on, and be a diminishing return, but ultimately a return for business. Yeah. Um, what I love about this film, I guess. First place to start would probably be the introduction of Anna Diarmas to the mainstream. <laughs> Moved on well from there. Uh, 
I guess I didn't really realize how much we were missing a good old fashioned who done it until we had one put right under our noses. Well, I I'm not sure on the timeline, but I mean, you have Branner doing uh, Poirot as well around the same time. So you had and, Murder on uh, the Orient Me Express. and TK have liked both of those as Never, well. Never, not seen either of them. Um, loved They're not- Poirot as a character. Loved David Suchet when he used to be on ITV. Uh, me and my nan used to watch it. Um, they're not as creative, um, but they're also they are entertaining, and the the cast is a similar caliber. They as can well. only do. I mean, they're only following. If, if they're, for the most part, you're following the Agatha Christie story, no? So you can't. Yeah, there is less in there. It's not an original script. You are following what's what's laid out in the book. No, it's well shot. They go to some nice locations. Well, um, uh, Kenneth Branagh clearly has a passion for doing it. What have they done? Murder on the Nile and Murder on the Orient Express. Yes, and the third one is out, I'm going to say, August. Oh, he's making another. Wow. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's signed on for about five of them. Got an awful, he's got an awful lot, of, uh, awful lot of books to choose from. I think he directs them as well from memory. Yes, he does. So he's picking up but yeah, he's around, like, several uh, bags. Around the time, yeah, it's a big thing that Murder Mysteries came back. And I, I have to admit, I'm, I'm, glad, they, I'm glad they are. As you as I've said to you millions of times before, I love a police procedural TV show and I love a detective film. I really do. Maybe in another yeah, they life. They both sit around would have been a, a 6.5 on IMDb, mm. 6.5 and a 6.3, but I think we, we once concocted the formula with no real workings that 6.5 is probably... Basically. The average of kind of our favourite films yeah. is like yeah, it's basically that's kind of the sweet spot. Yeah, exactly. No, and I mean in terms of what I love about this, um, Benoit Blanc's the easy answer. I do think do think he's for the praise for novel than this. Um, as is Chris Evans. Michael Shannon's really good as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm the same as you. I like that it's just an old fashioned detective story, and whatever else goes into that I just there's something about that that I enjoy yeah I mean the the, the cast Daniel Craig Chris Evans Anna Diarmas Jamie Lee Curtis Michael Shannon Don Johnson Tony Collette Lakeith Stanfield you've got Catherine Langford coming almost straight off uh, 13 Reasons Why and keeps going it's not it's not oversimplified it's simple enough to follow they do enough of the kind of uh, like you're playing Scrabble with someone. Yeah. Kind of they chuck enough words at you that you're almost not supposed to understand. Mm. You're supposed, it's just supposed to tie in with the character that you're seeing. It's quite frantically paced. I'm a big fan of that. lay it all out for you. Because I do, I am a big fan of that. Um, I do like the fact that it's very fast moving and very quick paced. Um, No, you're right. I don't think it's, it's never particularly complex. I do remember watching it though and not being sure for a while who the killer was. Yeah, and then what they did uh, also is, and whether it was intentional or not, I felt like it wasn't marketed to the point where it put a lot of pressure on the film. Like, I remember everyone that I know went in and was like, oh, that was quite good actually. Like, they didn't go in like, I'm expecting huge things here. This has to deliver. And so maybe that's how they handled the second film quite well because there was expectation, but 
this was kind of a fun one to recommend at the time. I can't remember where I watched this. I watched this on Amazon, I think. Yeah, I think I told you about it, and then we spoke about maybe doing it, and then uh, I I think you watched it. You just kind of said, oh, I watched that, by the way. You must have just scrolled past it Mm. and gone, oh, I'll stick this on. Yeah, I remember being a huge fan. I think I said that to you. I remember being a huge fan right, right, right out of the gate. I was on. I think we were both really excited for this for this second one. Uh, I watched it Christmas Day actually. Um, I watched it Christmas Eve, and we'd also just before we did this on here, we'd watched Sherlock not long before, where we both came out slightly soured, I think, by it not being what we remembered, and so this kind of was like a reminder of the levels. Yes, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I I do think this is brilliant. I really do. Um, I think a lot of that's just to do with to do a lot of that is just to do with Daniel Craig. Um, he's a fantastic leading, fantastic leading man. Obviously, you don't get to be James Bond if you ain't, but he's just very, very good in this. Well, it's it's very self aware. It knows what it is from the start. Yeah. It's very consistent with it. They don't have Daniel Craig kind of speaking a certain way at the start, and then the ending when they're like, "Okay, we need to tie this up properly so everyone's happy," and it's a very serious this happened and they did it to get their hands on this money it's it's very consistent the whole way through and the message it's trying to put out there the theme in which it's doing it and uh, yeah they kind of do it in a way of we're delivering what we want to deliver and we hope you like that which was a risk at the time yeah it is it was you're right um i do think i do uh, the second one i mean i know we're talking about the first one but the second one they, they i do think it feels more light-hearted than the first but even the first one there is a touch of light-heartedness to it i think that's in a murder mystery or a whodunit i think there is that's an important element it's a tough balance to get right because Can you- thor thor found the right balance with ragnarok and then the next thor film came out and it was horrible and it was like They'd read all the feedback and they'd just taken down. I really liked this film. It was so funny. Yes. And they're like, okay, people just want more jokes. And it's like, no, no, no. They want that joke balanced. Yes. You're not, you're not trying to be a I think Knives Out did a better job yeah. of remembering that. I think so. It knows it's not, it's not a comedy. It's not even an action comedy. No. It's just, it just, it plays on the right moments. Yeah. Well, Let's. Oh, do you have any nitpicks? Uh, do I have any nitpicks? Not overly, do you? No, no, I no, don't. I no, don't really. So let's move on to the town. People get up every day, tell them something to change their lives. They never do. This is the last one. We hit pause after this. The town, rated R. The town, another one of my favourites from this bracket in terms of prequels, sequels, all of that business. None. Something that would cross over with my nitpicks is this could have been very conclusive. We took a look at the alternate ending at the time when we did it on the podcast in that 
Affleck doesn't get this happy ending where he makes it out scot-free and he's waiting for Claire to come and find him. He gets out for less than a day and then a gang jacks him and takes off with his cash and leaves him to die in a car park. That fit with the rest of the film so well and I think they could have put us in a position here where we say, look, no sequel, no whatever. Maybe if you were going to do it that way, you could do maybe uh, a prequel on The Florist. Yeah. Um, Very possibly. But obviously, I mean, it's not going to be the same without uh, Pete Postlethwaite playing him. And unfortunately, you're not going to be getting him to play him anytime soon. No, that is correct. In terms of what I love about this film... I mean, there's a whole list here, but I, I've been quite vocal as a Jeremy Renner hater. Bad thing to say at this moment in time, I know. Mm. Um, largely because I just hated the character of Hawkeye and it carried over. And then I didn't quite get Tag. I quite like and it. I, think, I feel like I'm alone there. I quite like it. Yeah, it's not I, great, but I do quite like it. And it shocks me that you're not a fan because that seems like I'd be right in the game night sort of alley for uh, <laughs> Well, I... Uh, and I've only watched it the once, um, so you can say a spoiler alert for the next 15 seconds if uh, you want to do that. I didn't really get where we kind of had the comedy and then it was, and by the way, this guy has cancer and there's been like a, a miscarriage in here and there was kind of all this stuff going on at the same time and then it was like, oh, we're going to get back to now being a comedy again. I, I didn't quite... The cancer, was the cancer thing not part of the true story though? Yeah, so, yeah, it is part of the true story. I just mean in terms of the way it was done, it I wasn't really, the tone I didn't quite get, or not get on board with it because it's for them to do. I didn't quite get it in as much as everyone else did, clearly. No, it's, 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 um, quite, it's a very, it's a very very easy watch, as you might imagine. It's about someone playing yeah, fucking Yeah, for tag. sure. But it's just, it is a very easy watch. It's a very good cast. Um, yeah, I don't think there's a lot wrong with it. It's not. It ain't the greatest comedy in the world, but it's it's quite nice. Yeah, well, in this film, he plays the kind of grizzled guy yeah. so well, so well. Um, I forgot it was Hawkeye. Let's go hurt was, some um, people. I think is one of the quotes I he said. Huh? I didn't I've always thought you hated him for his version of Bourne. Uh, well, that that is kind of uh, another string to his bow in that sense. But no, Hawkeye, I've never, I've never got on board with the character that goes around with a bow and arrow. No, not even your guy Legolas. No. So I'm, I'm a Legolas. Um, if, if I was playing the Lord of the Rings game on the PlayStation, I'll go for Gimli before I go for Legolas. Okay. Fair enough. Never. No. Cowardly weapon in, uh, the face of these guys swinging axes and swords around. Okay. Possilthwaite in this, as as said, unreal. And that scene in particular, you're just an old guy with a fucked up face who don't know his best years are behind him. With him then retorting about, you know, I knew your mother. <laughs> and going down that mm-hmm. whole story. The heist feels real and authentic, similar to Den of Thieves, which we did earlier in the podcast. 
I feel like the masks, whoever's idea that was, they aged perfectly. That's kind of the calling card of the film yeah. now, the cover image for how everyone remembers it. Like right down to Chris Cooper playing Doug's dad, who was great in their scene in the prison, saying he doesn't know where the mother is. That scene where Renner interrupts Doug and Claire at dinner in the yeah. day, and you're waiting and you're just so tense to see if he's going to say something, and he's kind of playing along with Doug. Claire obviously has no idea. Yeah. Everything about it for a two hour film to feel as intense as it does, John Hamm plays the asshole policeman enough to mean that you you can still root for these bad guys. A shootout at Fenway Park, just because Ben Affleck is that guy and he can call in that favour. Yeah. It's a, yeah. There is a lot to, there is a lot to love. I do think the heists are very, very good. They got, they do, they, I know you said that if it's probably very, very wise, but it just gives me, just reminds me of pieces of heat as well. Yeah. And, authenticity is really the way to go right from how they frame Boston. It doesn't feel like a forced Boston movie and that everyone's trying to do their best accent yeah. and all of this stuff, like down to where they couldn't get the Bruins logo. And so they just designed their own logo to look as close to it as possible. And so they can get everything just feeling as Boston ish as possible. And we always say about the checklist, for a heist film or whatever genre you're doing. And this is like every box yes. is just yeah. ticked two, three, four times. Yeah. It does. It does hit them more and hit them more hard. Um, anything you would add for what you love about the film? The way, the way it looks. I love some of the shots, the long shots of the bands and stuff. And I love not the heist. It's what I always think of. Um, and just the way I love the way it's shot. I like the uh, genuinely. I think the pace of it is probably one of my favourite things. It yeah. just moves so fucking quickly, and it's just perfect for a film like this. Again, in that respect, it, for large parts, it just reminds me of Heat. Well, they do the similar thing to Heat in that the action means something yeah. because there's nothing uh, that's kind of. The Michael Bay analogy of like not, we got a bit yeah, of budget I'm not, I'm left. Can we chuck an explosion in? I'm doing something. There's a meaning behind it. Yeah, and it is still very violent. Like when they go and hurt some people, as they as they say, just because one of them has threatened Claire outside her apartment or whatever yeah. it was. Everything that the kind of uh, the rest of their crew that they've just fleshed out with guys that look the part and they do just enough to make everything feel authentic. Yeah, top to bottom is just uh, incredible. And uh, yeah, you got the only nitpick I had, as I said, is I'd have changed the end. Yeah, but... yeah, I get you. I do think it does take, it does, I don't know, it does remove. Doesn't feel like a happy ending for No, me. you're right. No, it feels like uh, someone needs to die. And even done to Blake Lively, she does a great job in the, the small role that she, she has. Does, yeah, you're right. Let's move on. Another film, Wolf of Wall Street. Three, two, one. Rolling Stone raves. This is how Wolf of Wall Street comes at you. You like it? Yes. Four stars. That makes me happy. I'm sorry. I, I, you know, I'm a sap for that. Hello. Leonardo DiCaprio's swaggering performance is the wildest thing he's ever put on screen. So, 
What do you say? I love you, Jordan. I love you, too. Scorsese delivers another cinematic landmark. Trying to make a name for ourselves. The Wolf of Wall Street. Rated R. Boom! Wolf of Wall Street, again, the prequel sequels, none there. Sequel doesn't work in this case because it's a bar pick. I'll lead with the nitpick because it's something that we did the first time around. I I guess I kind of don't like it when someone that is a real piece of work is made to look slightly less of one in their own bar pick. It just never sits too well with me. Uh, yes, sir. Might because they, be they've that. got they've got uh, Jordan Belfort looking like slightly less of a bad guy than what he was and they make him like infinitely better looking to boost his ego alongside that as well. So double whammy for him works in his favour because if you've ever sat tried to sit through an interview with him, it's, it's hard I, work. I, I haven't. He's a fucking dick. He's just a dick, mate. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, nothing else to say. He's just a prick. Um, well, let's revert then to what we love about the film and referenced with, with uh, Goodfellas, Scarface last week. I, I love the House of Cards type film. You do. You're right. In the kind of the subgenre, one of my favorite. I, I, I love all of that. Um, I said it somewhat jokingly with bringing out of the Armas through. Margot Robbie does have to be one of the best things about this film in terms of making her the star that she goes on to become. Yeah. And just the way that she does play the character, you go down and you couldn't actually imagine anyone else doing it having seen this. No, she is great in it. I mean, she does took her catapult as well for the next 10 years or the last 10 years that she yeah. had. Um, this is an aside. Did I tell you I'd watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood recently? No, you didn't, no. Oh, uh, yeah, I've been speaking about it another time. Uh, I think she's fantastic in it for the small, smallish role that she's got. I think she's great in it. My girl Sydney Sweeney has a small role in that as well. If you say so, she's one of. Uh, Presume so. She's one of the Manson's girls. Uh, yeah, yeah, fair. but yeah, I think she's fantastic in that. Um, yeah, she's she's great. I, this is it's, this is almost. It doesn't really go away anywhere, but this is almost Scorsese back to his best. She fully gets his teeth into it. Jonah Hill, superb. Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely fucking unbelievable. Uh, John Burke was really kn- good. I, I know it down that this was probably the is closest Kyle Chandler to not in Seth. this as well? Pardon? Is Kyle Chandler not in this as well? Yes, he is, yeah. Did you say that earlier? No, I didn't, know. No, he's, he plays the copper, right? Yeah, he does, yeah. yeah. He's, yeah. Gone, yeah. he's on the yacht. Yeah. yeah. This is probably the closest to Seth that we're ever going to get again from Jonah Hill. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Um, and it's t- it took Scorsese to get him to do that. He's he's fucking great in this mate. He's honestly superb from minute one when you meet him in the diner until the very end. He's unbelievable. Um, it's a long film. It's, it's a Scorsese film. What do we expect? But it's one of those that I don't think feels too long. It's funny in all the right places and at all the right moments. And it adds something to it. If you can get a good long film, oh, yeah, that's absolutely. like... In, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to sit down and complain about watching a golf film, do you know what I mean? No. But 
it's it's funny in all the right places. This performances, like people just people just knock this out of the park, bang! People are just hitting home runs left and right, and it's yeah. really Leo's just this. We 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 all know. I think this is he should, should he have won an Oscar for this? I think he should have. I really more think. than the Revenant. Absolutely, yeah. I, I think that was that was sort of a makeup one because they they, they realised they felt felt made made a foul up. But I do really think this is the one. Is this the best? Of, is this the best I've ever seen him? It could well be, you know. What? I think he's uh, better in this. I think. Yeah, I think think the part is a better film, but um, I think he's better in this than he is in the part. I made the Goodfellas comparison and I love how slick this is. And I love, I love when you're knowingly rooting for the bad guys. Like it's not something like, I would say something like, uh, I'm trying to think of an example where it's slightly skewed. I was going to use the town, but that's not right. But in this, you understand he's a piece of shit. You understand that all these things are completely reprehensible. Yeah, yeah. And it's nice to be, kick your feet up. There's no uh, dilemma in your mind. There's no confusion. You are very much just, I'm just going to join this guy for the ride and then I'm going to take just as much joy in seeing him go down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's a very, it's a different angle and it's just, but it's just very, very good. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. Um, incredibly, incredibly slick. Oh, yeah, from, from minute one. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just brilliant all the way through. It is fantastic. It's like I say, it's like, it's like Scorsese back to his best. Yeah. Well, let's go on to the usual suspects. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Who is Kaiser Soze? Anybody who goes in there is not coming out alive. Five men must find a myth. Kaiser Soze! Before it destroys them all. I'm gonna finish this thing. He's here! Now it's payback! And like that, he's gone. The Usual Suspects, rated R. The Usual Suspects then, another one that is right at the top of the list of films that were spoiled for you. Um, Prequel, sequels or lack of, there are none, uh, unless you want to count maybe a scary movie. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of sequel ideas, I mean, we can maybe see where Soze goes next because so much of what he is, we we don't know what's truth and what isn't. So maybe we could see just how demonic he is. But I'm more than glad. happy with this just being a standalone picture. I'm very, very glad they didn't because they definitely could have yeah. taken him on. Um, I just with this and Joey, you know, we won't we won't do a lot. I, I don't I don't intend on doing a lot on the twist because I think we covered it off. We've covered off twists and turns many, many a time. But after this and this being such a famous one, they definitely could have expanded on it. But I'm really, oh, I'm, sure. really yeah. glad, I'm really glad they didn't. In the space of five years, yeah. he plays Kaiser Soze, and I forget the character's name. He plays um, the the villain in Seven as well. Kinda. So he's just like he's just in his bag, just playing bad guys. So Probably a reason. Turns out he taps into that. Yeah, yeah he taps into that easier than we thought. The clock. Um, but again, we've uh, we've done. Jeez, I'd love to. I reckon we could have a compilation video. Of, like <laughs> just a compilation clip of the amount of times either you or I 
have, have made a disclaimer about Kevin Spacey. Um, the piece, the best part about this film, right? Yeah, and it's just it's 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 elite storytelling the whole way oh, through. Oh yeah, for sure. Daltaro is superb. Chaz Palmer's hair is superb. Stephen Baldwin, really, really good. It's someone you don't even think of, but he's just very, very good. I think you could have been just as captivated with this if you saw none of the action and it was just him and Palminteri almost face to face like it's a podcast, like it's yeah, them two, yeah, and it's just back and forth, back and you forth, just telling the story, an and he's trying to pick it apart. Heat dynasty. Yeah, and it would have been. Oh, it's yeah. I am glad they include the action because some of the action scenes on the boat are very, very good. Yeah, even the action shot. Well, we well, I mean the the like the opening shot we get the silhouette of him with the um, like top hat on. Yeah, and uh, the trench coat, whatever it is, and we go through and like, the example again is this is they've they've John Wicked him before John Wick with mm. just the build up of who Kaiser Soze is and that little thing that's very performative of people kind of like shifting their shoulders up and kind of squirming a bit when they hear that name, mm. the scene in the hospital where he's screaming the name, like Kaiser Soze, like yeah. it's Voldemort. And like, I can't believe this guy's back. The storytelling with, uh, Steven Esposito. Yeah. It's Steven Esposito, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and him explaining kind of the origin story of, you know, this guy killed his own wife and kids. This is how evil this guy is. Yeah, and the different overlaying of everyone's different perspective of him and the events that take place. It's a really nice, nicely layered story. Yeah, it's, it's, it's brilliant. And I think... Parliamentary is you glue could... just to sort of mould it all. Or maybe glue is the wrong word, but something just to mould it all and keep it all together and just keep it moving. Because it, it, it doesn't feel... I don't think it feels slow. I don't. I think there's enough set pieces and action interspersed in between it, and because you change perspective so often, it, it keeps it fresh and keeps it keeps it rolling. Yeah, I think you can really see the strength of a film, and I say this with The Departed as well, when you know what happens and it can still be just as captivating. Yeah, and this, like, for a film like this, and we've done others before where we effectively said you don't need to rewatch this because you know what the twist is. Yeah. And in this case, it just gives it that, that second life. Well, that's uh, what a lot of people are saying and is watching it again and, uh, and sort of keep watching it again because every time... You see a new detail. Yeah, and every time after, the thing being every time after you met, you see someone mentions Kaiser Sozo, the camera shot is next, is always back on space. Yeah. And stuff like that. And you just pick little things up. Um, but I, again, I do, I, I do think you, I do think you could rewatch this and just enjoy and enjoy it, and enjoy it again. Just the performances alone. Yeah, yeah. The the pump fakes to kind of distract you elsewhere, where you think you've got him caught, and then uh, uh, the lawyer, um, I forget the guy's name, his missus basically in. It's the other way around. They've mm. actually got him right where he wants a, uh, the meltdown they have. The little standoffs that you see throughout when they're telling the story. Everything about it is just, uh, yeah, it's just spot on. And then, obviously, it's uh, done its work in the birthing scary movie where I didn't realise just 
how much the first film is essentially half scary movie. Um, sorry, half Usual Suspects, half, half Scream. Scream. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> I, I watched Scream for the first time recently. Oh, okay, I've never seen it. Yeah, it was uh, not last Friday, the Friday before. And I text TK during like, I didn't realize quite <coughs> how much, like the whole like first half of the film is basically, they've just ripped it off and ripped it off and ripped it off. Yeah. And there we go. Let's go on to our last film of the day, Pulp Fiction. Sorry, did I break your concentration? Miramax Films asks the question, what are two hitmen, one girlfriend, a boxer, and the secret suitcase have in common? That's a good question. The answer, they're all part of the most electrifying film of the year. John Travolta, Samuel L. Jackson, Uma Thurman, Harvey Keitel, and Bruce Willis. You won't know the facts until you see the fiction. Pulp Fiction, rated R, starts October 14th everywhere. Pulp Fiction, nice film to end on. Another one I've rewatched this week. Prequels, sequels, lack of. Unless it's Kill Bill, Tarantino's not touching it again. So I think I've that... said it before. Definitely before. I still, I st- I still, there is part of me that regrets it. The regrets that there's not, never got to make, or never made the Brothers Vega. Yeah, I'd have taken, yeah, prequel with Ezekiel Vega. Anyone on their adventures. I'd love to see Because too. I think the first time I saw this film, Samuel L. Jackson was the guy that I was really drawn towards. Willis was doing Willis. Um, and then Travolta every time since. I just want... I'm, I'm gutted when the camera leaves him and we're going on to someone else because nitpick, I mean, possibly the biggest nitpick I've got of any film ever why the hell do we need Butch's girlfriend in this film? Yeah, I get you. She is horrible. So fucking shrill. So, so, so bad. I don't care about your pancakes. I don't care about your blueberries. You had one job to remember that watch and you couldn't even do that. And then you're taking up the time that we would rather be spending. I wanted more time with, with Mia and Vega. Give them a second day out. Or just the time in which, because uh, they see him when he's going to, uh, he's, he's going back and sees her for the second time, just stood mm. on the door. Let them have an extended conversation more than, oh, thanks for, yeah, I'd never got to thank you for last night. Oh, thank yeah. you. Horrible. What do you love about this film? Like the soundtrack. Really like Samuel Jackson. I really like Uma Thurman. I love Probably a bad thing because I like Uma Thurman and everything I watch her in. Um, Travolta's great. Willis, very good. Um, it's just, just Pete Tarantino, isn't it? You surprised that Uma Thurman gets uh, poster placement in the grand scheme no, of the film? I think it's a great film poster. Yeah, because I... I... I saw the poster before I saw the film and I assumed she would have a larger role. When I saw her hit the screen, it was like uh, like the first time I saw Anakin Skywalker hit the screen in Star Wars, Star Wars Episode One. Like, this is the guy that I've been yeah. waiting for. Like, this is the guy I know is going to be in it. And then, yeah, she's in and out yeah. in the flash. I think, the, I think the poster's phenomenal. Very good. Because there's some other alterations of it you can see online of her just in different poses and positions and yeah. all of this. There's a poster basically where she's like just sniffing 
the words Pulp Fiction, which looks fantastic, but I can also why see why that wouldn't get the widespread like, the green side light. of the bus yeah, race. <laughs> um, Walken's speech about the oh, watch I fucking is I just, about Yeah, it's, it's... I know Tarantino said he wrote that with Walken in mind, and it's just so obvious because he manages to make this really captivating story that three quarters of it is your granddad had this watch up his ass and then your dad had this watch mm-hmm. up his ass and then I had it up my ass and here I am handing yeah. it to you. <laughs> and the kid's like, uh, young butch. Um, the, the little things here, just getting the Pete Tarantino, like the chat before the robbery, cool. The one that really got me because I thought of this before, when a criminal is having to do the kind of stakeout kind of thing, and in this one, he actually gets caught out while using the toilet. And it's such a simple thing that they always go in films and they're always back while this happens. Or they just don't even reference the fact that, you know, they're staking out for however long. What did we do? Layer cake recently where he says, basically, stay there until the next yeah. morning and keep an eye on the warehouse. And it's all these little things. Obviously, he's going to have to go to the toilet at some stage. He's going to have to eat yeah. at some stage. and. He's made himself something in the toaster at his house and he's gone to the toilet. And he's left his gun on the side because why the hell would you bring your gun into the mm-hmm. toilet with you? So good. The big kahuna burger looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Correct. The cast. I love when you read the trivia and we did this before that different people in that film wanted to play different roles and the vision in Tarantino's head, even when dealing with these stars was so strong that no, that's not how I perceive Vega to be. Bruce, you can't play him. Travolta is going to do that. I know you're a bigger guy than Travolta now, but that's not how it works. Everything is just where it should be works perfectly. Um, it's probably the the best example. If if you had to, if someone said, "What does Tarantino do well of all his films?" That would probably be the one that you would hand over, and it's got like every box ticked. Do you think? In terms of like everything, I, I don't think there's a better example. Hmm. Okay. All right. I'll let you have that. Because I I don't think there's enough runtime in in Reservoir Dogs for you to get it entirely. I think the fact that Django is set when it is, I think you take away some of uh, the modern aspects with pop culture being involved and that kind of thing. Um, the Hateful Eight, admittedly, I would need to rewatch. Similar, it's very similar. Um, hey, I, I, I like that more than most. Kill people. Bill. I don't think, I don't think Kill Bill. There is uh, quite the array of different characters that allow you to be able to do what he does in Pulp Fiction. So I think just the the scale of it is what allows him to kind of have everything that he needs in one film. It's like a showreel. Um, all right. I'll let you have that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm sold on that. Well, what, so what, I, what, what would be the one that you, you would... wanted me to hand over a Tarantino film with Reds My Dogs? I'm not saying this is necessarily best film i think it's just this is where he's able to show what his ideal film is i guess and all his i think for everything that everything he's done there i think it also applies to reservoir dogs it also happens to be a better film maybe i just don't like reservoir dogs as much as uh, a pulp fiction 
Reservoir Dogs probably wouldn't be in my top three for That's Tarantino. So Don't know. Just no. uh, doesn't click with me in the same way it's clicked with others. Like individual scenes do, and unfortunately, it sounds bad. This the scene with Mister Pink talking about tipping is the scene that really clicked yeah. with me. Um, yeah. Seen these clips recently from America where these delivery drivers are basically turning up on the doorstep and saying, "Like, if you don't increase your tip, then." I'm taking your food with me. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've seen some of them. Yeah, but surely after a while it's you get that. to do that two, three times, about three complaints, and someone's just letting you go, no? Yeah, oh, the whole tipping culture is just so different over here than it is. Yeah, far more reserved about it. Um, I do. I like. I think you we've been out together. I'll always try and throw a tip, and it doesn't bother me. But look, it's one of them. Maybe, maybe I'm saying yeah. that because if you tip it ten percent where I go to eat, as opposed to where other places, I mean, yeah. I'm doing a lot. Um, nitpicks I said about Butcher's mm-hmm. girlfriend. Uh, the the other one which I kind of look at, and I'm not sure if it's supposed to be that because Tarantino, whether it's just getting away with it or what, the background uh, that's everything that's in the windows in the taxi when Butch is going to the motel is so like poorly green screened <laughs> that it almost looks like maybe that's the effect Tarantino was going for and it being a bit tacky. You know, there's some bits in Kill Bill that he could have got better CGI yeah. or he could have got like a better transition and he chooses to do it that way. Maybe that's how it's supposed to be. I don't know. Uh, fair enough. I don't know. I don't really, other than the girlfriend, I don't have a lot of, I don't have too many nitpicks for this, to be honest. No, and that's a, just a very big nitpick, obviously. <laughs> just before we call this episode to a halt then, so as previously mentioned, it will be our finale of the season next week. We started this in September 2021. We're here. Only two of us yep. remain. We started with four. So the results for round four, the Godfather defeated 7-8-4. Training day narrowly snuck past the departed 5-4. Scarface did what it was supposed to do against the raid. It was almost like like a snappy 2-0. 10-5, it passes through. Heat, tough matchup against No Country for Old Men, a real clash of styles. 6-3, Heat progresses. Goodfellas uh, puts on the performance of the round, 14-1 against Knives Out. Tough matchup, that. It's like drawing City at the Etihad. Pulp Fiction falls to the town, 5-3, in what's maybe the upset of the round. Yeah, I feel like uh, a lot of that's from you. Well, we've agreed on 8 of yeah, 16 yeah. there, so we're, we're just tied on us, effectively, a lot of them. Uh, I think what believability goes the way mm. of the town. Um, I think we agreed on rewatchability and that's mainly the yeah, difference. Yeah, uh, the Godfather Part 2 progresses past Zodiac 9-7. Valiant run for Zodiac going past uh, Limitless, Seven Psychopaths, uh, but falls to the Godfather Part 2. Uh, and Wolf of Wall Street, again, Star Clash, goes past the usual suspects 7-5. So what this sets up is... Uh, Four more fixtures. These will be decided by the time we get to next Thursday. Next Thursday, we'll be going through our awards for the season. So we'll have the usual MVPs, best scene. All of these kind of things will be going through. And 
the matchups, which, as I say, you won't be going through. The Godfather Training Day, Scarface versus Heat to determine the first semi-final. Mm-hmm. Scarface, that's four. Unbelievable. Right. <laughs> um, Goodfellas the Town against The Godfather Part 2 and Wolf of mm. Wall Street. Again, no Godfather Training Day and Godfather Part 2, Wolf of Wall Street, really the style clash of the round. Scarface and Heat, kind of, and uh, Goodfellas the Town. Very tasty. And then, yeah, we'll be doing the semifinals. We'll open the show with those results. Reveal who the semifinalists are. We'll do some awards. Results of the semifinals. And then we'll close the show with the MVPs and the results of the final. And then we'll reveal our plans for what's coming up next for Movie Madness. So see you there. Next Friday it'll be released. Enjoy. Adios.